Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Acts 22, verse 6. Now the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Jews. Remember, the, the Jews started rioting, and then at some point, they didn't know why they were rioting. No one really knew what was going on. There were a few, but they were mad at Paul because they thought he was disrespecting the temple, number one. Um, and the other thing was they thought he was teaching against their customs, heaven forbid. And that was the Old Testament, but how many of you know that the Jewish tradition, not all of it was actually Old Testament law. They had strange little traditions that weren't in Scripture, okay? Two of them being, one, you got to wash your hands. You have to ritual, ritually wash your hands before you eat. Now, of course, hey, great, if you wash your hands before you eat, we prefer that. If not, you get sick, that's on you, right? Dirty little hands, whatever, but I mean, it shouldn't be a law. So they got on to Jesus' disciples about that once. And another thing was, they believed that they could dishonor their parents in this way. They could tell their parents, hey, whatever use or blessing you could have gotten from me, I will give to God. In other words, they could almost disown their parents. Jesus said, you have made of zero effect or of none effect the word of God by your man-made traditions. So there were things that they did that were extra-legal, meaning they were more than the law. There were things they had come up with. So now the Jews, not all of them, but many of the Jews were very upset because they said, we are God's people only. This shouldn't be for the Gentiles, and we can never forsake the old covenant. So Paul finds himself in a very interesting position, and he starts to give his testimony once the Roman commander came and stopped the crowd from <laughs> rioting and trying to beat up Paul. All right? So that's where we begin our story today, Paul telling his story. Someone say his story. Man, testimonies are powerful. Testimony is just your story, what God has done for you. That's why I have you on Wednesday nights to say, man, I have good news because it's part of your testimony. It's part of your story. All right? Acts 22.6, the Apostle Paul says, As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, um, Damascus claims to be the um, oldest continually inhabited city in the world. There are several cities who claim the same thing. All right? So Damascus is in Syria. So he says, I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon. A very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. That's enough to freak somebody out. Well, it gets better. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Persecuting means, why are you giving me a hard time? Why are you trying to afflict me? Why are you coming after me? He said, who are you, Lord, I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, one translation says, of Nazareth. I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. Let's pause there. There's a big problem with this because Paul had been coming against the people of God, those who believed in Jesus, people who believed like me and you, because it was against many of their traditions. Many of them, not all the Jews, believed that Jesus was the Son of God. That's why they crucified him, right? So this is earth-shaking for Jesus to appear and speak from heaven and say, it's me. Yeah, it turns out I am who I said I was. And by persecuting and coming against my people, you're coming against me. I need somebody to hear me tonight. This is for someone. I can feel, I can feel the 
Spirit of God quickening this in my heart tonight. Some of you have been troubled by certain people. Maybe a deal went wrong. Maybe someone has, has been out to get you. And you weren't living unrighteously. You weren't being foolish. Now, if you were breaking the law and doing all this other stuff, then you say, well, I'm being persecuted. Well, you may have brought that on yourself. But no, if you said, man, I was doing my best, I acted in good faith, and these folks burned me, or they hurt my feelings, or they're talking bad about me, you know what Scripture says? Jesus came and told Paul, he said, why are you persecuting me? You mess with my people, you're messing with me. Scripture says God considers it a righteous thing to trouble those who trouble you. Someone been troubling you, and you've been doing your best to act right, not because you were gossiping or you know, acting crazy, but you were doing your best, man, and you're going, I don't, I don't even know what I did. Why are they acting this way? The Lord says, it's a, Scripture says it's a righteous thing for God to trouble those who trouble you. They mess with you, they mess with God. And that's what Jesus proves right here. He says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. You've been messing with my people, and I see that you, in essence, you've been messing with me. So scripture goes on to say, the people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. How many, how many of you know many times God speaks to you and it's just a message for you? God was speaking. They, they, they saw the light. The people that were with Paul at this, at this point, he was called Saul. God was about to change his name. He said, man, they saw the light, but they couldn't understand the voice speaking to me. So then what happened? I asked, what should I do, Lord? At that point, are you seeing that he believed when he said, Lord, what should I do? Do you see the humility there? He didn't have time to go, well, I messed up. Man, oh my gosh. No, he right away goes, he was in such terror. Can you imagine? He's been coming against those who serve Jesus, who call upon his name. Jesus says, you're messing with me now. There's a bright light. He's in shock. He says, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus. And there you will be told everything you are to do. Hmm. How many of you know God doesn't reveal all of his plans all at once? Many times one step leads to the next. Remember the, do you remember the country song? We used to sing it in Spanish too, but it was one day at a time, sweet Jesus. I guess it's southern gospel. I'm not going to sing it for y'all tonight. I don't want you to be amazed. And if I sing it, you may go, man, Beatrice, man, man, Bree, why don't you have Pastor Matt sing it with you? At least rapping, you know. So I'm not going to go there. I sing for you sometimes, and it's not that great. I'm, I'm very unimpressed <laughs> by my singing. But many times, and this is such a true thing, it's one day at a time. God, God gives you what you can handle right now. You say, why doesn't he tell us everything? Faith wouldn't be necessary. Sometimes God gives you a word and a promise, and then all hell breaks loose. I've had God give promises to me, and I go, man, woo, we're, we're almost there. This is amazing. And then everything went wrong, look like. Wow, what on earth? God told him, you go ahead and you go to Damascus, and then I'll tell you what to do next. And he's in the midst of it, but he's going, okay. So Scripture says, I was blinded. This is Paul speaking still. He says, I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. How humiliating, how humbling. Paul was the star student of Gamaliel. Many, and I'm sure Paul did this, I can almost promise you this is true of Paul. Many students of the Torah, the Old Testament, especially the first five books of the Bible, which they call the law or the Torah, 
some call it the Pentateuch. It just means Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Many students of the law, Jewish students of the law, memorized the first five books of the Bible. Is that incredible? So this guy was, I'm sure he had that down and knew a lot more than that. He could dissect the law. That's why he was attacking believers, believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, because he felt it was the right thing. He felt they were wrong until Jesus appeared to him. And now he's humbly being led by the hand. He said, I was so blinded, I had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. Couldn't see anything. Then he goes on to tell the story. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, okay, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. Notice Paul put that in there because he's in trouble with the Jews right now. Even though they're wrong for persecuting Paul now, they're mad at him and they're telling lies about him. He's saying, God sent a man who was well regarded by the Jews of that area. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment, I could see him. (laughs) What a powerful moment. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will. This is for you tonight. Did you know you've been chosen to know God's will? Say, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have or not. Then what on earth are you doing with this right here? A testament is a will. You have the old will and you have the new will, and it all meshes perfectly. Jesus came to fulfill the law, but he came to give us a better covenant. That is to know and love God and to love others, to be able to stand in God's presence by the blood of Jesus, close to God, to truly be a son and daughter of God. So the God of our ancestors has chosen you, not just Paul, but everyone in this house, everyone at the sound of my voice on the live stream and on the audio. He's chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one. Who's the righteous one? Jesus, God, and hear him speak. Wow. Do you see this? This is a whole sermon right here. Someone write this down. He's chosen you to, number one, know his will, see the righteous one, and hear him speak. I want to say it again. He's chosen you to know his will, see the righteous one, and hear him speak. That sounds like the basis for a great relationship with God, putting him first, really. For you are to be his witness. What's a witness? Someone who tells their testimony. Someone who says, God has done this for me. Someone who says, Man, here's what God has done for me. He can do this for you. You are to be his witness. It means you're going to go and tell now. You're going to go proclaim proclaim the word, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. I love this part. Ananias said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism is symbolic. It's obedience to Jesus. Jesus was, he led by example. He was baptized, and then later on he commanded us to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I like what Ananias said here, the second part of that verse. He says, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Wow. After I returned to Jerusalem, Paul said, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into a trance. So he had a vision. He was having a moment with God, a moment in the Spirit. He saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry. Leave Jerusalem for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. Well, he's about to figure out they're still not going to. Okay, But Lord, I argued, (laughs) right? I remember one man of God years ago, he said, I explained to God. (laughs) God already knows. But Lord, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. 
And I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. Do you remember that? I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. Wow. But the Lord said to me, he said it again, right? Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Look at this next verse. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. They are so against the word being shared with the Gentiles. Not all of them, but many of the Jews, the ones rioting. Then they all began to shout, away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. All because he said, I'm going to take, God has called me to take the word to non-Jews. Huh. Wow. They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. That's crazy. I don't know. I don't know if people still do that. But that is really showing everyone that they're troubled. I wouldn't throw dust in the air because I'd get it in my eyes. But, hey, they're making a point here. The commander, right, he's the Roman commander, he brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. (laughs) Not good. You know, Paul's situation many times, it goes from okay, no, from good to okay to worse. This is not correct English, but I'm making a point, to worser. Worst, right, being the correct word. So the commander says, hey, let's, let's, Let's whip him and make him confess. He must have done something. That's why everybody's mad at him, but the commander doesn't know the Jews. They're just mad about all kinds of stuff. He wanted to find out why the crowd had done what? Become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, I love this. Paul knew how to use what God had given him. He said to the officer standing there, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been, what, tried in court? You're about to whip me, but I'm a Roman citizen, bro. When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. We get some, of, some parts of our law from the way Rome ran their legal system. Some of it was really good. This man's a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. But look at Paul. He takes it to another level. But I am a citizen by birth. I'm a natural-born citizen of Rome. He was born in one of the Roman provinces. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. The next day, the commander ordered the leading priests into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about, so he released Paul to have him stand before them. Gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, Brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. That means to me that Paul is saying, I have always done things to the best of my ability, whether I had limited knowledge or or not. I've done things thinking I was doing it the right way, doing my best to serve God. This was before Jesus, you know, before he, he got a revelation of Jesus. He said, I've always lived before God with a clear conscience. Isn't a clear conscience good? Oh, you ever struggle with guilt about something? It is no fun. Best thing in the world is say, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I turn away from that. Guilt is not of God. Conviction is of God. Condemnation is not of God. See, Scripture says worldly sorrow leads to death. Some people... They're just, they just have remorse, and they feel awful, but they never get over it. You've got to confess your sins and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and turn away from them. All right? That's what a true clear conscience is. Let's go on to the next. Instantly, Ananias, 
the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, <laughs> must have irritated Paul. One, let me tell you something about myself. I'm very particular about who touches my face. If someone touches me sweetly, especially my wife, it's okay. Or a little old lady or my mom, she's in heaven now, or my aunt. Someone's being sweet. My little sister, she can touch my face sweetly. It has to be sweetly. She's gotten in trouble for throwing something at me before. We're But I don't know about y'all, but especially when I'm, when I'm irritated, do not touch my face because we'll go down to Chinatown. It's just, I don't know why, it's something hardwired in me. I remember growing up, we'd be irritated and someone hit me in the face and it'd be like, oh, it's on now. So Paul must have gotten irritated because the priest said, slap him on the mouth. Can you imagine? That's not godly. These folks are going by tradition. They think they're really upstanding characters, but you see that they were struggling with all their human weaknesses because they're doing it in the flesh. Paul said, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. Can you imagine? What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? See, Paul knew the law and said, what you just did was illegal according to the law you're, you're so zealous about. God will strike you, man. Those standing near Paul said to him, do you dare to insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers, Paul said, all humble. I didn't realize he was the high priest. <laughs> he broke the law, but I didn't know he was the high priest. Paul replied, for the scriptures say you must not speak evil of any of your leaders or rulers. <laughs> Paul, Paul knows the law as good as him or better. He's like, oh, man, I didn't know he was a high priest. My bad. I'm sorry, brothers. <laughs> Interesting context there. Paul realized that some members, so then he moves on, though. Paul is very astute, very adroit. Very clever. Paul realized that some members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees. Now, a little background on Sadducees and Pharisees. Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. I've never understood that. I don't know how Jewish believers or modern Christian believers or anyone else that reads even part of this Bible would say, well, when you die, you just die. Uh, that's just that just seems interesting scripturally speaking but the sadducees they were a sect of religious leaders and teachers and uh they didn't believe in resurrection which that's a big problem okay we we're basing our whole lives and futures on that that we'll be re resurrected to go to heaven right if you die before the time comes or, you know, before Jesus returns, we all believe in the resurrection. All of our lost, our, our folks who have gone to heaven, but, man, we believe that we're all going to have glorified bodies one day like Jesus. So Paul realized some members of the high council were Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, and some were Pharisees, so he shouted, Brothers, <laughs> I am a Pharisee as were my ancestors, and I am on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Paul was so smart, all of a sudden he, he divided the crowd just like that. This divided the council, the Pharisees against the Sadducees. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection or angels or spirits. Wow, you just die, and it's over, and there's no angels. How weird. I don't know if they were reading the same Old Testament we were reading. But the Pharisees believe in all of these. Paul bought himself some time. He knew that he was just going to throw a monkey wrench into the whole trial there. So there was a great uproar. 
Uproar is a powerful wor word because it's real simple and self-explanatory. Imagine people standing up and roaring, meaning they stood up and yelled. They start fighting. They start arguing. Oh, my gosh, it was upheaval. Some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees jumped up and began to argue forcefully. We see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him, which that sounds interesting, doesn't it? A spirit or an angel? I don't know exactly where they're coming from with that. I think their doctrine's a little weird, too. You know, let me just say something. Years ago, a guy told me that, uh, not to scare you all, so I won't go into detail. I remember his name and everything. He's cool. Pretty cool guy. He's a friend of mine. In eighth grade, one time, he goes, he told me, I'm having issues at my house. I think it's haunted. Well, then he goes on to tell me some odd things that were happening. I said, you know, I said, bro, that's demons, man. And he goes, well, I know that if the spirit is white, that means it's good. I'm all, I'm all where did, I remember I laughed. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but I said, where did you get that? Oh, well, they told me, you know, what, like Casper the ghost or? Uh, no. Let me tell you all something right now. There are no ghosts. There are angels and demons. Angels don't go around the house messing with people. Demons like to pretend like they're dead relatives. That's a called a familiar spirit, those of you who have been in the spiritual warfare class. Demons like to imitate stuff and bring credit to themselves. Angels will always honor God and honor his word, a true angel. The Holy Spirit, he speaks to you well. He is God, the spirit of God, and he will always line everything he says up with God's word. God will never do anything to contradict his word. Okay? So... Um, that just sounds really weird. A spirit or an angel spoke to him. I'm glad they believe in spirits, but that's strange. I mean, you know, you don't just have disembodied spirits speaking to you unless it's an angel or a demon. So as the conflict grew more violent, once again they got mad, started shoving each other probably. It says violent, so who knows what was going on. Throwing rocks. Maybe they got more dirt and started throwing it in the air. I don't know. Weird. The commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. Man, these folks are furious. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. Someone say the fortress. Fortress is supposed to be safe. That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, see now, God appeared to Paul. He's just having all kinds of visitations from God. He's very important for the grand scheme of things, for our, our history as believers. The Lord appeared to him and said, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. So, can you imagine the word of God? God gives you a word that says, no one can do anything to you until you've gone where I'm telling you you have to go, till I'm done with you. No one can touch you. There was a song by Skillet, I think it was in 2000 or 2001, and it was called, I'm Invincible. You say, man, that sounds like a proud thing. Well, no, you don't walk around proud and with your, your chin all the way up. You walk around confident, but when God speaks to you, know that he will finish what he started in you, according to Philippians chapter 1. He said, hey, just, just don't worry. Be encouraged. He didn't give him all the details, but he said, I'm going to take you all the way to Rome, and you're going to testify about me all the way to Rome. So you're going to preach the good news. What is another word for the good news? It is the gospel. Someone say gospel. Very good. So preach the good news in Rome as well. Let's stop there for tonight. The drama will continue to unfold next week because, man, you're going to see these folks are crazy and they want him killed. They're so furious. 
What do you remember uh, a blind rage? Those of you in spiritual warfare class, what spirit that is? Spirit of jealousy. Say, not everything is a demon. Yeah, but when a crowd acts like that and starts rioting and mobbing, there are demons involved, and the spirit of jealousy is one of them. Say, well, what are they jealous of? I can't always explain it, but they just want what you have. It may be your life. So they're in a blind rage, all right? Any questions about tonight? If there's anyone in here who has questions, I'm sure you will ask me immediately following this service because you're not going to ask in front of everybody your fellow students. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. And I thank you that Jesus is Lord. I praise you for that. We lift up the name of Jesus. From the start of this service to the middle to the end of this service, as we begin to conclude now, we lift up the name of Jesus. Is there, if there is anyone in this house who says, Pastor Matt, I have never accepted Jesus and made him my Lord and Savior. If I die tonight, Pastor, I, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. Would you raise your hand? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you raise your hand and you say, man, I need to accept Jesus and make him my Lord. Would you raise your hand tonight? God bless you for your courage. God bless you. Let's pray then as a family. Let's all agree. God bless y'all for your courage. All right, eyes closed. This is a very serious moment because your eternity is your forever. See, you could live to be 70, 80, 90, or 100 years. That's nothing. Eternity is forever. There's a song that says, man, once we've been there 10,000 years, we'll have just begun. So I want everyone in this house to repeat this prayer with me. This is a powerful moment. Everyone say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry, Lord. Apart from Jesus, I'm a sinner. Say, but I call upon the name of the Lord. Save me, Lord. Save me from myself, from sin, and from hell. Say, I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. Now say this. Say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Say, Jesus, you are welcome to take up residence in my heart and in my life. And tell the Lord this again, because you're grateful. Say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Say, I believe in Jesus' name.